Hi everyone, welcome to episode 6 of the Planet K2 Performance Fix podcast. Today I am with Emma Wiggs, who is a Paralympic gold medal winner and six-time world champion paracanoeist. Hello Emma, how are you? Hello, very well, thank you very much. Did I get that all right? Didn't make any yes, mistakes there? Nothing to add? No, nothing to add, just a, a kayaker that simply goes from A to B as fast as possible. <laughs> Brilliant. So I'm just wondering, what's what's going on in your life at the moment? Are you currently training for competitions or, or, or how are things going? Uh, so we're, we're currently back in training. So we get three weeks off after the major competitions, which are generally in, in August. So we've had our time off and we're back in full winter training and all the horrors that go with it, um, working towards um, racing again from April onwards sort of in 2018. Wow, and and how often is that train? Is it every day or is it every few days? So we so we train six days a week, um, and it varies between three and four sessions a day. Um, a Saturday is a bit of a shorter day, but that's basically our week is is six days a week training and and one and a, one and a bit days uh, rest and recovery. So it's pretty full on. Wow, I was going to say I was slightly shocked by how many days you um, just said. And is that are those training sessions all on the water, or is it some strength, some in the gym? It depends really on the time of the year. Our program is, is mapped out quite scientifically um, based on what we're aiming to achieve. So over the winter months, it's all about gym work and hypertrophy um, and building the, the base and the body on which we can then um, you know, race the boat as fast as we can when we get to the speed work, uh, when the water warms up a bit and, and we get towards the racing season. So at this time of year, it's, it's, it's more heavily on the, in the gym than on the water, which on a cold day like today, is, uh, is, we're quite grateful for that. I was going to say it must be um, it must be freezing in the water, especially here um, in England in in the lovely warm weather um, in the <laughs> winter. Um, so t- today we're we're discussing all things sort of confidence and resilience, um, and I-, I wanted to to start off with um, your your Paralympic gold that, that win in Rio. Um, and I've watched that video a lot of times in the clips. And from it, you, you appear from the outside to be sort of in control and and, and a very confident um, person and. Is that something you, you've worked on or is it sort of more of a natural disposition? I think, if anything, it's it's the opposite. I don't think I'm naturally um, a confident person. It's something that, you know, I had quite a lot of discussions um, with Catherine about in the in the run-up to Rio was, you know, not over, over worrying that I didn't feel super confident um, and not trying to, to almost pretend um, that I was super confident, but more about... Um, developing a confidence in in the process of what we were doing um, and in in my ability to to deliver um, in all conditions and so I I really took confidence out of that rather than in in myself um, as a sort of pure form of confidence. And is it something that that goes up and down you feel? Yeah I think I think for me um, I think it depends on on what's going on in the in the situations that we're training in um, more than when we're racing. When we're racing I kind of feel like the hard work's been done, um, and I, and because I trust the process and trust the work that I've done in the months leading up to it, I feel more able to, to kind of go and deliver the performance. I think it's for, for myself, it's more of a challenge um, on a day-to-day basis uh, in coping with with training um, challenges or, or situations, uh, and keeping that confidence ticking over to allow me to to make the most of every day, really. And you mentioned Catherine there, so for just for our listeners, Catherine is uh, one of our human performance experts. And ha- how long has she been working with you? Uh, I've, I've been working on and off with Catherine um, since just kind of before the London 2012 um, Games, but more specifically since I joined uh, the canoeing programme in, in 2013. Um, and I think, you know, her work, 
has been invaluable to me in in both learning about the the athlete that I want to be, um, the athlete that I currently am, um, and and how we can can make up the difference between those two those two places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know in terms of the, our success in Rio, that was a huge part of that is down to Catherine and and the work that we did. In, in developing that resilience and and my ability to perform under under pressure and in regards to you know seeing someone to help with the psychological side of your performance was that something you were a bit worried about to begin I, I know I've spoken to a lot of athletes who are um, you know they're very wary of maybe speaking to a sports psychologist or or seeing someone I'm, I'm just interested to get your views on that really yeah, I think I was probably, despite the fact I did a sports science degree, um, I think I was a bit sceptical, um, to be honest. When I started out as, a, as an athlete myself, I was a bit sceptical about the need for, for sports psychology and the, and the kind of value that I could get from it. Um, and to be honest, I couldn't have been you know, more wrong, really. I think it's uh, a, a hugely important part of, of performance and something that you know, some people choose to neglect, um, and that ultimately has a, has an impact on their on their overall performance. So for me, it was it was crucial in in both accepting that it had a place in my performance, um, and also being open and, and honest, and and finding someone to work with uh, like Catherine, who you know understood me and 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 was able to to get the best out of me. I think was a, was a real turning point for me in terms of my actual practical performance as well. And and in regards to to working on your confidence regularly, are there any things that you you do? Because obviously, you know when you work with a you know sports psychologist or psychologist, you you might often see them once every few weeks, or it could be once a month. Um, are there things that you go away and, and and you'll try and work on in your own time? Yeah, I think the um, the use of a performance diary or a performance log um, was really crucial to me in the run up to Rio. We, we we played around in the couple of years ahead of Rio, looking at how I could. You know, keep a log of of my attitude towards training on a daily basis, and and my thoughts and feelings about what I'd achieved and and how I'd coped with things, and that kind of evolved into this quite comprehensive um, performance diary that was a real kind of logbook um, for me, and, and something that I could go back to every day, um, both to check in with what I wanted to achieve, uh, but also to try and recognise the things that I had done well in the day, um, to kind of help build confidence and, and build almost a book of um you know things that would I could look back on if I was having a, a struggle uh, to, to help build that confidence so that was a really crucial piece of work that that we did so it's sort of like a, a bit of a reflection tool as well being able to look back and, and see you know I guess where things have gone well and, and maybe also where things have you know haven't gone so well as in, in terms of your performance yeah, because I think it's very easy, um, you know, when when you're an athlete, you, you're, you're just concentrating on on training hard and eating and resting. And that's very easy to go from one day into another day into another day. And it becomes this kind of um, cycle that, that goes on and on. And I think it's very easy to, to lose sight of either what we're trying to achieve or what we could learn from the day. So I think the, the taking the time to to kind of do it formally in a in a diary as such um was was really really crucial for me to be able to see what what had gone well uh recognize that because it's always my natural go-to is to is to acknowledge things but but give the credit to someone else so you know I I may have got a good time but it was windy or Mm. um I may have lifted well in the gym but you know someone was cheering or you know trying to 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 get me to recognize the things I'd done well um were, were down to to the hard work that we'd done but also you know, reflect on on what could have been better um, on each day, and then that gives you a focus for the next day. 
Mm. And it's it's quite incredible to see that the power of such a you know, some ways it's quite a simple tool. You know, just writing down your your thoughts and feelings and be able to look back to back at them, and it's it's amazing what impact that can have on you know, a number of people's performance um, and the impact it can have on you know their day or how they're feeling and, and looking at their thoughts. So it's um, it's great to see something practical that that you've been doing. Uh, and I know you, you you just spoke there about a bit about your confidence in, in other people. Do you do you get more confidence? from what people tell you from them what you tell yourself um i think i think it's you know i look for um for reassurance i guess from from coaching staff and other people uh, that things are going well i'm quite a scientific person so i like i like the science and the and the stats to back up um a performance but then at the same time it, it's important that i i take the time working either with someone like Catherine or or with my logbook to to acknowledge why those performances happened um, so that I'm not able to just, you know, almost explain them away. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, external um, input is, is always helpful to me. But I think hopefully over the last year to 18 months, I've I've been able to be a bit more self-sufficient in recognising, you know, actually I do work quite hard and um, I am able to to train hard and make good decisions. And, and that ultimately will will help me be a better athlete. So I think I'm getting better at recognising the things I'm doing. So it's been, in some ways, there's a bit of shift with, with sort of trying to understand your thoughts, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, you know, it is about um, the fluctuations on a day-to-day basis as well. And I think, you know, we all have good days and bad days. But if I can have something that's a consistent, you know, log every day that I'm doing, um, it means then that I actually have more good days than than bad days. Um, and I think that was, you know, one of the, the biggest influencing factors in me getting on the plane to Rio in terms of being selected as well as winning the gold was that I was able to to know that I'd made more good decisions than bad decisions and I was able to to say that I'd you know chosen my attitude every single day uh, to give me the best chance of of being the fastest person there so that was really crucial and are there are there any sort of main factors that you mentioned sort of you like sort of the stats and the sports science are there any factors which you feel are quite important in terms of influencing your confidence um, I think you know it would. It's always been a bit of a mystery to to my to my coach um, that I've never been beaten on the international stage. Yet I fear um, the rest of the world, and I'm and I'm constantly saying, um, you know, I never ever go into a race expecting to win it, which I think you know he finds quite bizarre because I've never been beaten. Um, but I think it's just naturally in me that I'm just not. Um, that that kind of overly confident in in myself and I think it's it's more about accepting that and and learning that I can be confident in the process um and hopefully gradually um build a build a bit more kind of resilience and confidence in in myself because I do marvel at people that that look like they're approaching the race and and are super confident they're going to win even if they don't um and it's kind of that almost like an elusive quality that um I wish I could have but I don't I don't know if that's attainable. And actually, I don't know whether that's that useful either. I seem to have done all right without it. So when you go into a race, what is your what is your mindset? Uh, because you said sort of, you you know, you, you do fear sort of others. Of what, you know, how, how do you judge that or, or what goes on within your, your thoughts? I think I think within within Paralympic sport, it's um, it's slightly different to the able-bodied side in terms of, you know, everyone is slightly different. So there's, you know, there's quite a lot of looking at other competitors. And that's something that I've learned to to control and to manage in the days leading up to racing. Because, um, you know, there's 
is obviously very off-putting to look at someone and see that you know they might be a single leg amputee whereas I've got no use for my legs and that obviously is quite a significant physical difference so it was about learning about managing the things I could control and the things I couldn't um, and even though we race against each other performance is more than just disability and it was about recognizing the fact that actually I've made good decisions in all these months of training and I know that I can deliver a consistent race um, you know un- under almost any condition and I think that was another real crucial factor for me was I- I'm-, I'm a consistent performer um, and whether I have a a wobble or not in the days leading up to it I'm still able to go out and perform at a certain level so it's trying to to remember that it's just a process it's just a, a process of going from A to B as fast as I can and and if I do that then actually the outcome takes care of itself mm. and you you've mentioned within within sort of those comments a few times um talking about resilience do you think you're a resilient person um I think in some situations, I'm a resilient person. I think you have to be resilient to, to be on a windy lake in Nottingham um, six days out of seven. Um, but I think resilience is is kind of a bit of a fluid thing. I think it's it would be a mistake to assume that you're either resilient or you're not. I think it's situational. So I think there's certain situations that I am quite resilient in. Um, and then I think there's others that that I probably am not so. And I think some of those are probably related to my disability. Mm. I think if we dig deep, I think I'm probably not that resilient in terms of um, uh, my feelings about my disability or or aspects like that. But actually, you know, I can turn it on its head and, and be resilient to to situations that I think, you know, maybe a few years ago I would have found very challenging. I now feel a lot more resilient. Uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like from from what you've said, you know, you well, I, I believe you, you are resilient to, to see what you've achieved and you know, I, I wanted to speak to you a bit about um, when you was it when you were eighteen years old you contracted a virus. Is that is that right? Yes, or? I was. Yeah, I was eighteen on a gap year in Australia. So, could you just explain just a bit more to listen, sort of in, in terms of what happened at that moment? Uh, well, I was on a on a gap year in Australia, and the, and the big plan was to to spend six months working on a farm, um, and six months travelling and and doing all the things you do when you're eighteen and the other side of the world to your parents um, and unfortunately about six weeks into that I contracted a virus that presented a bit like flu um, but being 18 you kind of think you're a bit um, you know untouchable and I just ignored it and unfortunately it developed very rapidly and overnight it, it paralyzed me in my arms and my legs um, so that was obviously quite dramatic mm. uh, and uh, about three weeks into being in hospital out there my arms uh, had recovered but my legs um, just didn't so that was that was kind of the the new reality that I was faced with um, mm. at 18. Wow it, well I, I think and, that, and that's what I said to, to see what you what you've done now and, and, and the incredible stuff you've achieved you know I, I would definitely say there is that resilience there and uh, you know I'm interested to know in, in terms of you know when you did sort of contract the virus you know how did you sort of come to terms with it how what, what did you do to sort of cope and, and, and sort of manage and, and deal with it? I think I think in the early days I think I didn't if, mm-hmm. if I'm honest I think I um I decided that this wasn't going to be um the, the case this wasn't going to be how it was going to be forever and I would just um fight it and uh refuse to to give in to it um and I think as a you know as a young 18 year old that's um you know maybe maybe that's an admirable trait but I think it's it was quite a challenging trait, I think, for for many people around me. But it, because it was so obviously the situation, 
um and and it, it was what it was but i think my my determination to kind of fight it for you know a good two three years was probably probably one of the reasons why i was able to achieve the things that i have hmm. um but also probably um you know made those years a bit more challenging than maybe they needed to be but i think it was yeah that was my main mindset was well this isn't this isn't going to be what it is <laughs> and and are there any lessons that you, you know you've learned from that experience which you apply now as an athlete um i think it's you know it is it is a life-changing um event and i think you know at the at the ripe old age of, of 37 now i think it's um you know it has shaped the person that i've become and i think the only thing that i would would do differently with with hindsight would would be to um to maybe spend a bit more time accepting the situation and that doesn't mean not striving for for more um and striving to be better but maybe accepting it a wee bit quicker and um potentially i could then have been on a on a path to paralympic sport a lot earlier because it was 10 years before i did paralympic sport mm. And that now, looking back, feels like a, a little bit of a wasted, of wasted time. Mm. And, and within that time, you know, I'm sort of interested to know the, the impact on, on sort of your well-being, obviously being such a traumatic event. How did you sort of cope with that on, on your own sort of mental health? Yeah, I think, I mean, again, I think it was a bit of a um, I'm not dealing with this uh, situation. I think it was um, it was obviously a challenging time, but it was one that. I decided that I was going to just focus on getting my degree and and getting a job um, as a PE teacher, which obviously everyone said was ridiculous. Mm. And that became my, my focus and my kind of battering ram that I was going to attack life with. Mm. Um, and I think, to be honest, I think I probably didn't deal with um, any of the the kind of mental well-being and, and, and psychological issues that, that, that would naturally come with some sort of life-changing event like mm. that. Um, and I think... You know, I, I remember when I was in one of the rehab units, the, the, the doctors, you know, almost being a bit a bit upset that I wasn't, uh, you know, crying in the corner and, and in a little crumbled wreck. Mm. Um, and I think I, I found that quite challenging because I just wanted to get on with my life and uh, and and make the best of it. Um, but I think, you know, looking back, I think, you know, you need to address these things. And I think we're just more we're, we're more aware as a society now um, mm. about the impact of these things. And, you know, it's only, we were talking 1998, early 2000. So it's not it's not that long ago. But I think, you know, everyone's approach to and certainly my own personal feelings about mental well-being and, and health were very different back then than mm. they are now. And in, in some ways, everyone is is very different in terms of the experience of how they will respond and how they will react. And I think it's a credit to you for, for how hard you have worked and, and sort of that, that resilience that, that you have shown in, in terms of what, you, what you've achieved, which is which is incredible. And on the topic of resilience, are, is there anything that, that you do to, to sort of build that resilience? I know a lot of people look at resilience in terms of, you know, it only really comes when there's setbacks um, and then we've got to be resilient. But what are your sort of views on that? I think I think it's definitely something you can build. And, and that's what I was meaning earlier about the fact I think it's a fluid skill and a fluid ability I think or a trait um I think we can do stuff you know when things are going really well that will that will then help build us to to be that a little bit more resilient when things are are tough and challenging um and I think that's again something that that we looked at um with Catherine in terms of our of, of choosing an attitude for the day um and actually I you know that had a huge impact on on the day that I then had so just taking some time in the morning to to think about what 
what attitude I wanted to approach the day with then had a knock on effect in terms of of what day I actually ended up having. Mm. Um, And I think that has has increased my resilience little by little um, to the point where, you know, now I, I do feel I'm. I'm more ready and I think resilience is about being ready for things mm. um, things that either go well or things that things that don't and I'm a I'm a big planner and I <laughs> think that it's it's about planning and being ready for for these moments and I think it's a it's a simple skill that that everybody can do um we're very fortunate to have time as athletes to 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 write a nice diary but everyone brushes their teeth and I think that's quite a a good time to to take an opportunity to think what what do I want to get out of today um and also what might slip me up um, and I think I found that being a bit more prepared for things that might slip me up actually meant that I dealt with them a lot better. And I was going to just talk about that, you know, for, for what happens, you know, when things, you know, do, you know, whether that's training go wrong or, or, or sort of competition. So is, is preparation, does that play a big part within that? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, again, that's something I've learned. I think it's, you know, I, the journey that I've come on as an athlete from from being a volleyballer in, in London um, to a canoeist now is just almost immeasurable. The, the difference in 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 my behaviours and my attitude a, a, on a day to day basis. And I think it's it's about being prepared um, for, for things. But it's also about just having a an eye on what you can control and what you can't control. Mm. Um, and and that's all very easy to to say, but it's actually believe, believing it and sticking and sticking to that to that kind of process um and i think that's you know that does take time it's not something that can just you know magically happen you need to actually sit down and work out what you know what are the truths of the situation what are the what are the what are you know what what's this day going to be like or what could what could come along and and how am i how do i want to respond to that compared to to how i might respond to that Mm. and do you do you feel that resilience is only useful for setbacks or, or do you feel that you use it in other situations as well i think i think it's useful in, in in every situation i think um you know even when things are going well i think you know being being resilient um to that i mean i think if you, if you look at the rio example i didn't i didn't feel i i was never ready to win a gold medal um and looking back there that's something that i definitely think you know you can plan for and 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 be ready for and be be resilient for so i think it's it's something that we can use in in everyday life not just within sport mm. um but certainly in the good times as, as well as the bad times um because you know sometimes it is tough when when things go well which sounds a bit odd but because you know that puts a target on your back that puts a a level of expectation on you mm. um and and equally that can you know sometimes be be isolating if you are if you're the one that's that's everyone's chasing um that can you know, success can be have its drawbacks as well. Hmm. And do you feel there's a there's a relationship between how good sort of physically you feel and then how resilient you feel? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I you know I know I know I train I train best I perform best uh, when I when I'm happy and and relaxed and you know I think there's there's a huge amount more research out there about um, you know cortisol levels and things like that 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 are going to be um detrimental to physical performance and mm. those are things that that are that are, we can control uh, in terms of our own stress and and, and our approach to situations so you know i don't get it right every day uh, by any means but i think you know i know i know the best version of myself that um is the best training athlete and the best competing athlete and it's about trying to to give myself the best chance of being in that state um as much as possible 
I, I, I'm interested for the for the listeners. What what would your advice um, be for for someone who's who's looking to develop confidence of and resilience, or or you know one or the other, or even both? What would you suggest to them? Uh, I think it would be um, about trying to 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 control the things that 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 you actually can tangibly control, and it's about it's about recognizing the things that you do do well. Um, and if you if you can control the things that that are going to influ- influence your performance, um, then you're going to have a better chance of of being successful, but ultimately um, being happier as well. And I think it's it's about getting 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 things in perspective. So you know, I've I've made it a real important part of my life is making sure that I'm I'm more than just a canoeist. Um, I'm very lucky that I've got a really supportive family and and friend network that that understand what I'm doing and 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 kind of get it. And I think, you know, my main bits of advice would be to surround yourself with good people, with people that are going to, um, you know, support you and understand what you're doing. Um, it would be to, to to try and keep some sort of log um, or diary, which is going to, you know, capture those things that have gone well, because they're, they're very easy to forget in times of stress, but capture the things that have gone well, but also, you know, help keep you on the on the kind of straight and narrow in terms of your attitude and the person that you want to be um, and just always bring it back to, to things that you can control. Um, and I, I find it quite useful to have a, a kind of list of questions that I can ask myself if, if things are, are falling off track and it's, it's about whether I can control whatever's happened. It's whether it actually affects me and my performance or whether it's just something that's just noise. Um, and then it's, it's all back about the things that I can change and do. And it's, it's great to see such practical stuff that you use. That, you know, I'm hoping everyone who's listening can can go away and, and try as well. And it's it's great to see how you talk about support and having the right people in place. And I think a lot more people are looking at, you know, finding those people with the right skills who can support me. Can I find someone who listens to me? Can I find someone who motivates me? And it's great to see that that's something which you acknowledge and, and sort of say it's, is important to your um, performance. And it's 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 great to, to look at all this stuff. So um, I, I have one final question. Um, yes. Now, elite sport, often, you know, we hear athletes of, of talking about, you know, how how difficult it actually is, and especially with what you mentioned with sort of training and, and putting yourself through all that pressure, all the stress, um, and a lot of really tough times. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to do all of it. And I, I want to know in sort of questions about other athletes, is it, in the end, is it is it worth all the effort? <laughs> um, I, th- I think it, it is 100%. And I think, you know, actually, I, I get a bit annoyed when, when people say, oh, look, it's such a tough life and poor us. Because ultimately, you know, I feel very privileged to do to do what I do. Um, and, you know, it isn't, it isn't, we work very hard, but it isn't a, a proper job. Let's be honest. It's not, um, you know, nine to five in an office. And I think, you know, we should, we should remember that, that we, that we choose to do this. We're not, we're not made to do this. Um, but it is 100% uh, worth, worth the, the sweat and the, uh, the occasional tears um, and the, the choices. And I think it's, um, it's an honor and a privilege. And I will, I will continue to do it for as long as my, my body stands up and my mind is is in one piece um and as long as that boat is getting faster 
Well, Emma, it's, it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Um, and it's been inspirational to, to hear sort of a bit about your story and, and all the great stuff you do. And I, from, from what you've, you've spoken to me about, and hopefully all the listeners will agree, you know, you definitely do seem like an incredible person who has been resilient and, um, it's amazing to, to see what you've achieved. So, um, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for time. Just so, um, if people want to follow you, get in touch, is there a website, um, Twitter? Where yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, there's a web, I've got a website and I'm on Twitter, um, uh, under, uh, at mwigsy. So, yeah, you can follow the, I, I do post a, a huge number of terrible food pictures. So, um, <laughs> enjoy those. <laughs> so, if anyone wants some cooking ideas as well, we know where to go. Yeah, I'm um, all over it. <laughs> <laughs> and is your website, is it just emmawigs.com? Yeah, uh, just uk. Okay, awesome. Brilliant. Well, Emma, again, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And brilliant. And thank you um, for all our listeners to uh, listen today. And hopefully we'll be back um, next time with a new podcast.